throughout recorded human history, across every culture, people have been having experiences with a phenomena which seems to be from outside of our everyday reality. It's intermittent, it's difficult to pin down, but it's always been there. And as different cultures and different minds have encountered this, they've perceived it differently, they've labelled it differently, they've had different understandings about it, but I think it's always the same phenomena. A, a culture from thousands of years ago, they might have thought they were encountering uh, gods or elves or goblins or jinns or whatever it may be. In our modern Western culture, we seem to be encountering little scientists and machines from other planets. Hello everyone, that was an excerpt from an interview I conducted a couple of years ago with Simon Small, where he discussed the alien abduction stroke contact experience in the context of spiritual awakening. Well, after that interview, I was myself contacted by today's guest, Marcy Peterson. Marcy was struck by the immense similarity between Simon's writing and the role encounters with non-human intelligence have played in her own psycho-spiritual awakening. Now, I must stress, this is not a road I ever thought I'd go down when I started podcasting. But this aspect, that encounter experiences, whatever they are, possess this spiritual dimension, drew me in. Okay, so Marcy's currently working on a book, and she sat down with me in advance of that to explain her journey and shed some light on this very strangest of human experiences. Well, I think I'd like to start at the end because that was the beginning of my story. Um, I had a near-death experience in 2014. It's my third, third one. And what happened was I always doubted things that happened to me, but that near-death experience, I learned that everything that happened was real. The dreams, the sightings, the visitations, things that weren't normal. And so, I, and then I come back from near-death being at higher realms, along with the load of, oh, everything that did happen really happened. So I had a double, double um, whammy to deal with. So it started when I was three years old. I had a playmate. At night when everybody else was asleep, it would crawl through the bedroom window and would sit on the floor opposite one another. It was my size. It was a, a human form, but no features. It glowed a soft orange, light orange, amber color. It, it just glowed. I couldn't see a, a definitive outline. It had like a soft, soft from the light. And it always brought with it this ball of the same color of light. And it would toss it to me and it floated through the air so soft and gently. And we didn't live there very long. And once we moved, I never saw it again. And behind the place where we lived, it was in uh, Southern California in the desert there was a grove of orange trees. And there was one tree I would always go to and sit under by myself. Because it was so heavy with fruit, the branches just created like an umbrella all the way to the ground. And I feel like it visited me there too. Um, and that ball of light was helping me through life to remember and remember what I came here to, to learn, to do. And then um, nothing happened until 
science fiction shows came on to me, The Twilight Zone, uh, One Step Beyond. And that I was just so engrossed in. And at the same time, I had nightmares of running through a dark tunnel on some kind, uh, it felt like a ship, and I was being chased by something. Because of the environment that I was surrounded with, it terrified me. And so I ran away from it. And in our backyard was a huge, huge, empty dirt field. And I'd have dreams of flying saucers lying there. That didn't scare me, but being somewhere where they were, wherever they were, those dreams finally ended when I approached two figures sitting in chairs, like the cockpit of a plane. And I just stood there and looked at them. They never turned around, and that was it. That, that was the end of that one. I want to go back to when I was five years old. In July of 1952, I was with my family in Pittsburgh visiting relatives. And I was laying on the front yard looking up at the sky. And three amber globes, I would say egg-shaped, in a triangle, one and then two behind, slowly glided across my view, going east. And I just laid there and thought, Oh, how pretty. No fear, no telling anyone. Just, oh, how pretty. And then I didn't find out till the internet that that was the same exact lights that went to Washington, D.C. and flew over the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And I made that connection. And then I couldn't get enough of science. I couldn't get enough of astronomy. That really, that was the field I wanted to go into. And never pursued that. I was different from my family, friends. I felt like a stranger. I felt like this wasn't real. It wasn't where I belonged. It wasn't home. But I had to play an actor to fit in with what was around me. And whoever talked about seeing things in the sky or playmates that looked like the one I did, dreams, I kept those to myself. Then um, it was, I started having traumas uh, through life. My whole life, I think, was, is still a trauma, one big trauma, made up of little ones. But nothing really started happening until I was 16. And I would get tones, signals uh, when I went to bed in my head, not my ears. That lasted for like 20 years. I did everything like removing the fillings, replacing the fillings in my uh, teeth to, uh, from mercury to porcelain because picking up radio signals, who knows? But I, I had read about it and heard about it and everything, it never went away. Some nights it was so loud, my husband could put his ear next to mine here. And um, then there was quite a long period where I had these most prophetic dreams. Dreams I was on ships. Dreams I was flying ships. I never saw the outside. It was just the interior. Everything was white, curved hallways. I didn't see my companions that were taking me, showing me around the ship. But They were curved. It's very emotional because it was so beautiful. And 
we passed doorways and I could see there were rooms filled with people. And it was like a tiny amphitheater, maybe 50, 75 people in the room. And there was on the stage a teacher. And we passed this one room and this woman stopped and stared at me. And I felt so much love, but I didn't know who she was. My companion said, she's from the Pleiades. And I said, oh, please. That's all we hear about. They're from the Pleiades. No, no, no. Look in the direction of the Pleiades. And that's the direction of the sky beyond that, that they would be located. So those dreams went on for years. Um, and I didn't go back to review them until after my miracle. For some reason, I kept them, and I'm glad I did. Because to read them after having been told, that was not a, well, you think it was a dream, but you were someone else. Um, and uh, they were beautiful, just beautiful. But when um, at the book Abduction came out by John, John Mack. Mack, yeah, and that's in I, the 1980s, isn't it? Yeah, and then people started coming out and describing their experiences, and I said, "My gosh, I I never heard." anything comes to mind. So what did I do? Forget it. It, it was, I had nothing to guide me. So just to clarify, John, the experiences John Mack documents, you didn't see a comparison between no, them. No, no. Now, abduction, the experiences in it are very medical. It's a lot of like probes and people being very traumatized right. by that, uh, very invasive right. procedures. And people mm -hmm. are finding a sense of spirituality in it too, but only after a lot of invasive medical stuff going on. Right, right. I um, try to remember, I try to uh, see if that happened to me, but it never did. It never did. Um, and so we went to uh, a conference, a MUFON conference in our town, and the director used to work for my husband at the time. Just, sorry, just for the audience, MUFON is the Mutual UFO, UFO Network. Network, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry, carry on. That's okay. Well, we went to where it was located just to connect with this person that we used to know. And she invited us into the sessions. And afterwards, there was like a, a book room. And I walked in that room. And I couldn't stop crying because I said, these people will believe me. But again, nothing similar to mine. Um, so I decided to get hit. Um, so and to this point, Marcy, you've not had any um, regression through hypnotherapy to recall no. your memories up until this point? No. Everything's but what I wanted to... Dreams. And yeah. Such, yeah. Yeah, and visitations. Yeah. Right. Um, but um, what I wanted to know was, well, is it real? Because I'm not hearing anyone else talk about it, the experience I had. So uh, there was a woman who specialized in that. I went under very, very fast. And the first thing I said is, oh, they're teachers. Never got hypnotized again. And uh, we recalled some things. And there was one thing that occurred. I was in a ship because I was looking, I was sitting on the floor and there was an oval window and I was looking down at the earth. So overwhelmed. And then I felt this tremendous love 
and I turned around and there were two babies, very tall, hooded robes, couldn't see their face. And that was it. And after that regression, I knew they were the two in the ship I was running from. Because the ship was dark. It wasn't like the light um, white hallway I was going. This was very dark. And they've been my guardians. They appeared to me in my dreams a couple times to assure me that I was going to be okay. So anyway, um, after well, I just, that... Can I ask you just about the mm -hmm. going for hypnotherapy? Did you um, struggle at all? Like you, you're sinking into this and it, it feels to you like you're accessing memory, okay? Because obviously one of the big controversies is are people um, recovering memories or are they creating memory, right? And mm -hmm. one of the things I did to like reflect upon this is meditations upon can I feel the difference in myself between memory and fantasy? Because we kind of, mm -hmm. we know the difference, but we take it for granted our whole lives. You know, I think, oh, gee, what is that? Is, that, is the memory just a more intense fantasy? Is there a, an absolute solid wall? Is it permeable? What, what was your process mm -hmm. like going into this? Did you ever doubt it was memory? Did you, I, just know, I know a lot of people who have these experiences uh, come away struggling themselves to think, mm -hmm. have I recovered a memory or am I being, you know, what, what's going on in me? What was your mm -hmm. experience like with that? I realized that what I felt in my heart told me that it, it, it wasn't a fantasy, a hallucination, no, my heart told me. And later when I had the near death, one of the most important things I learned is your heart will tell you the truth, always your emotions. Get out of your head, into your heart. It's, it's interesting because what I hear when you're describing the experience is it's not just a visual appearance, but there's this intense sense of um, love. And I don't know how, like there's a kind of sense of awe coming from you for looking down at the earth and the sense of love from the beings um, that's, you know, I can't definitely say that's not congruent with something we could imagine, but it doesn't sound congruent to what we would typically mm -hmm. think of as like um, to imagine an experience that evokes that much um, emotion. Yeah, all right. Well, um, I, yeah, I let that, when we were done, I was fighting to not leave that hypnosis I she she had a really hard time pulling me out of it because I just wanted to stay where I was because the way it felt and but eventually you know you get caught up in life and this world and it faded for a while and I just let it go because I still wasn't reading or hearing anything similar to mine. And so my rational mind kept interfering with it until they started visiting me. Okay, let's do this. And they were just lights um, several times in the bedroom. They would come, um, I would be standing next to the bed and watch them just kind of do a hands-on healing over my husband. Um, I couldn't see them to the point where I couldn't describe them. They weren't, they were so loving and benevolent. Um, and then we moved um, to another place where they visited. And this time it was my playmate with a couple others. And I got out of bed, they surrounded the bed, and we went in the living room and we just talked about take care of yourself. You have to be healthy. And little things like that, and then they were gone. But 
at the same time, my husband woke up in the morning and said, I had the strangest feeling there was someone in the house. Mm-hmm. And a woman who's associated with the MUFON booth we were in, we have, we're at a dinner a few weeks later. She said, do you remember that really thick fog and such and such and that? I had the strangest feeling someone was in my room. Right. So when you're talking about walking into the lounge, are you perceiving that you wake up in the night, you're fully awake, you walk into the lounge, or and then you fully awake and you remember going back to bed. So this is not yeah. something where you wake up a few hours later and go, Oh, did that happen? Did I dream that? Yeah. Your perception is fully awake into the lounge, fully yeah. conscious interaction. Yes. Yeah. And um my playmate uh, visited me again just a couple of years ago, the one, the original one. And that was uh, pretty uh, special. Um, I was laying in bed reading, and uh, this is after the near death, after I lost my fear of everything and accepting everything. And my dear death, I knew infinite wisdom i couldn't come back with all of that not in this dimension but once in a while i'll get like not a light bulb go off in my head but a star will light up because that's what happened in my near death infinite number of stars penetrated and in seconds i knew everything so i'm in bed reading the walls are white the white both end table lights are on and I see out of the corner of my eye a movement, and I look up, and it was my playmate, a little uh, waving to me like this. And I was terrified, and I hid under the cover. I said, wait a minute, I have nothing to be afraid of. And so I come back up, and I said, are you my playmate? And he waved again. He was older. He appeared older. He was a bit taller. But with him was another little one like he had been and i say he but i don't know the gender had been with me and it was like he was teaching this little one about this dimension um, it was touching the bedspread the fabric the mattress and looking around it's like he's just exploring things my husband walked in the room and he walked through them i didn't say anything to him and then he walked back out the little one was annoyed and switched his head in an angry fashion, like, leave us alone. And they disappeared. Now, at this time, it was just like a, um, a shimmering outline of it. Nothing else. But it was so definite and so clear. And, uh, wow, that really uh, was a gift. So these experiences are going on and there's, there's near death experiences and beneath that your life um, has this element of like trauma and spiritual awakening coinciding, mm-hmm. going through mm-hmm. it. And in like thinking about how to conduct this interview, the way I wanted to approach it is to see like the, to accept the trauma, really the spiritual awakening as being like the fundamentally real thing okay and then the rest of it is really kind of details of how that comes about which we can discuss and it's very interesting but perhaps you could oh please we all mean to carry on the narrative you're telling it but um what i'd be interested to know more about is like through the encounters through the near-death experience how this spiritual awakening aspect came about then what that looked like my awakening started when I left a path I had been on, a spiritual path for over 20 years. It completed me. It answered all my questions. The guidance was, it, it, but they didn't tell you what to do. It was just so what I thought it should be. But then it came to a dead end when the, the studies would start repeating. Okay. I I always felt very connected and comfortable in nature. And we had a back deck, back deck on the house overlooking 
a wooded area. And I go out there, I walked away from everything, everything I ever believed in and thought and was taught and was told and said, I just started talking, said, there's more, there's got to be more than this. That feeling was within me my whole life because I keep pursuing one religion and another and another and another. They stopped answering my question. So I had to go someplace else for the answers and they stopped. Finally, it came to where, okay, if I want the answers, goodbye, leave everything. I sat back there pleading for answers. Uh, this was after my near death, but I didn't remember my near death until later when it was time. And um, it took about a month just sitting there, empty, waiting. And I think that's how we are tested. We have to earn that. Are we really that sincere? And so one day I looked at the ground and the shadow of a tree was approaching my feet. Closed my eyes, bam. There I was floating in blackness, total blackness. No sound, no light, no feeling. I knew it was me, but without a body. That pinpoint of light appeared, very bright. And when I focused on it, it exploded into an infinite number of pinpoints of light. I, my mind was ready for impact and brace for it, but instead it pulled me in. Everything about me, what I was there, absorbed every one of those lights. And that's when I knew everything, infinite knowledge. And then came the love, but I had to be told that as important as that love is, so is the knowledge that we can access, we can all access. And then I was flying through the universe, wherever I looked and wanted to go, bam, I was there. And then I started seeing the creation of the universe. And so I was a little stunned and I said, there's no one there to say it to. I just said, who are you? And the answer was, I'm me. I said, where are you? in everything. I said, where are you from? Nowhere, because I'm now here. I'm still trying to process that. And that's when I came back and thought, I got to do something with this. But for three days, I couldn't talk, eat, sleep. Finally, my husband said, You've got to tell me what's going on. I said, I felt like I was home and that I knew God. And that has changed everything in my life. I know how beautiful things are, how we have become our connection with that. I didn't become one with everything. Everything became one with me. And that connection's been broken. If you go to nature, people always say they feel so much better when they're in nature. Nature hasn't lost that connection with the cosmos. We have, we've been disconnected with religion, um, material things, uh, what we're supposed to believe, how we're supposed to, that has disconnected us. And uh, I learned that we can get that back. And that most important thing to know is have hope. That's what I want to give people is hope. Believe in something. And that was my awakening. I had little moments before, 
but boy, that's uh, Simon Small in his book, um, Star Pilgrim, describes it beautifully, how the main character is with this being, and he goes into um, the uh, universe, and he describes how it's still him, but not him, and that's how I felt. I came back totally changed, and I, I never want to commit suicide again. People would look at me and say, what happened to you? Your face is just different. So I feel like I'm, I'm living with my higher self. That's how Janet puts it. Not, not another entity or soul, but my higher self, who I truly am, connected with the me that's here. And uh, I'm glad. Finally. Chronologically, when, when did that experience happen for you? What, what, in, in relation to the near-death experiences and this awakening experience, when did that, where does that fit into the story? 2014. So, so just to see if I'm getting this right, the, um, the awakening experience is 2014, and you also had a near-death experience in 2014. That, that, they're, the, uh, they're the same, the same. The near-death awakening. Right. Okay. Okay. And that was um, September 2014. And that, that pulled all these different threads together then in terms of the yes. contact with the non-human entities and the, the kind of oh, maybe. <laughs> Not only that, but the, the synchronicities afterwards. I mean, I was getting hit left and right with, oh my gosh, there's somebody who, who who experienced the exact same thing in an episode of a dream. I mean, these are details that only someone else who was there could identify. Um, but the synchronicities, finding Janet's book, and then realizing she was only a half hour away from me. Right, that's Dr. Janet Colley, who we'll yes. talk about the, in a moment. The dark face of heaven. I was on a trend of committing suicide. I can't remember how many times I tried. And there was always, I call it divine intervention because there are some cases I should have died, but hmm. things happened that people would call miracles, okay? So I said, I've had enough of this. The new me didn't want it. And so I, I went on the internet to search repetitive suicide and found an article, PTSD. I never knew I had it. And so I, I revisited my suicides and they always had to do with a severe traumatic experience. And I didn't have the tools to handle the emotional pain. So I just shut down and something else would take over. And I couldn't stop it. It's like a, I was a puppet and the puppeteer was manipulating me. So with the PTSD, um, I'm talking to you how much you say about this, but people talk about um, having PTSD as a result of abduction experiences, and that's strongly mm -hmm. in John Mack's work. Right. Is, do you feel that the experiences you were having were um, the cause of the PTSD or is PTSD arising from all the rest the of life? Their PTSD had nothing to do with my experience. Okay. These were all traumas, uh, divorce, um, death in the family, um, different things like that. And a lack of an underlying resource or spiritual insight to then right. be able to deal with that. Okay. Yeah. I had got caught so caught up in the, this world um, to fit in, to be normal, to feel normal. And so that's why I, there were periods where I didn't have interactions with any of my teachers. I call them teachers. Hmm. So. Um, and in, in calling them teachers, just what, what do you feel they imparted all these? Because I've heard people say they learned energy healing from non-human intelligence teachers, or they learned to, uh, just in the book we I was speaking about Red Reese about removing arthritis through the mind or spiritual teaching about oneness. If you were to like um, sort of 
you know, categorize what, what lessons do you feel they imparted? Or was, I mean, it could be nonverbal, right? It could be that it's being in their presence as a kind of a satsang, a kind of transmission that's elevating consciousness. So I, I could see that too, right? So I don't, I don't mean to be too literal in, in asking that, but no, no, that's, what, do that's you, what do you feel they imparted? I have been through so much in my life and they said, that's because you agreed to it. And I said, no, no one would agree to this one. I had. And then uh, they said, look, you're a writer. Write. Write about everything you've gone through and look at the result. Because that way I can reach a broader audience, um, someone who just has PTSD, someone who's suicidal, not necessarily someone who's had experiences, but I want to give people hope. I want them to pick one thing from my book or whatever they hear that might say, okay, I can identify with her and her pain. And so, so many things, um, PTSD, suicide, trauma, how to get through that trauma. And like Janet says, transcending. Um, takes you to a place where you realize, all right, I want to know more. <laughs> so you have to do it on your own. No one's going to lead you. You have to make that commitment. Do you really want this? Um, but on the other hand, I don't tell anyone, leave your religion, leave your path, nothing. I believe in everyone is to be where they're at, but they have to ask themselves, is where I am making me the best person I can be? And if you feel it isn't, which was my case, I have to keep moving to the next one and find another one and another one. Um, so it's not a religion. It's not, I see myself more as an interpreter of my experiences and to put it as plainly as I can with analogies. So, um, and the lesson, the most important thing, don't shut down your heart. Your heart has a conscience. That's been proven just several years ago. And it, it, it um, communicates with the brain. I knew that my whole life. I was, you hear, I was always, oh, you're too sensitive. Oh, stop. I was feeling emotions. Um, and so it, that's a big one. I think that was the most important because we're told to shut down our feelings. We're told to be strong and don't cry and face it. And, but when you do that, you lose so much. Uh, so just um, when you meditate or go walk in the woods, openness. Leave your head. Go to your heart. It will never lie to you. Never, never ask for me. Okay, I'll, I'm going to come back to that aspect of, um, I suppose, the, the, your journey since 2014 in a moment. Mm -hmm. Just to digress, I'd be interested if, from your experience and associating groups like MUFON and, and what you've learned there. Can you shed any light on this, the most complex of experiences really of this encounter abduction phenomenon? Because it's interesting that your experience is very different to what John Mack was documenting, mm -hmm. okay, which is these mm -hmm. very medical kind of things. Um, now, my thing is I tend to completely believe whatever book I read last time because I, I don't know what to think about this whole thing so if i read board hopkins i tend to think of nefarious aliens if i read um mary rodwell i tend to think of spiritual aliens if i read um susan clancy i tend to think of false memory syndrome and, and i'm just blown around by this and in some ways in trying to understand this um alien contact or contact with non-human intelligence i i have a it's kind of a joke i say like 
I, I long, it makes me long for the mundanity of near-death experience, right? Now, there's nothing mundane about near-death experience, but it's, mm. comparatively, it seems relatively simple to understand. Like, you feel like, you know, we could sort of get a grasp of the, the near-death experience and or the mystical experience, but the, um, the encounters with um, these beings seem so, so multifaceted, so contradictory. Mm. You know, like, not just individuals having different experiences, but researchers spending years investigating it and that, just drawing up drastically different conclusions about it's a hybrid program to take over the world or it's mm. about spiritual enlightenment and so on. Mm. What's your best um, knowledge and intuitions about making sense of what's, what's going on in this whole thing? Well, um, I, I, even though my experience is so extremely different from others, I believe that what happened to them really happened. Just like we, there are so many religions, there's so many different ways of being contacted. Um, the hybrid thing, I got a little bit of a problem with that. I'm not saying I don't believe the people that claim that's what they had done to but my teachers are giving me no information on that. Um, there are malevolent ones that can intrude upon a person. And perhaps that's what happened to me when PTSD attacked and I go in that shutdown state and something would control me. Um, it's like with the near-death experiences too. Everyone is different. Someone will see Christ. Someone will see a man on a throne. Dead relatives. Now, uh, it's and I think you got to be very careful with hypnosis regression. You have to find someone who won't go to that. Won't focus on just one kind of abduction. Um, and I want people to think, were you abducted or were you invited? In my case, I was invited. Uh, but uh, if in Sherry's book uh, about her experiences with the hybrid stuff and her daughters now, um, I believe her because the, that happened to her, but the lessons she learned were the same as I did. And uh, I don't know. Um, this is my experience. Now, I've read several near-death experiences that were identical to mine. But then when you bring in the teaching aspect, my teachers and lessons on the ship, dry piloting a ship, going to another planet and landing it, uh, and prophetic dreams. When I went back to my dream journal, it said I was told I had to die before my husband because there were so few of us that could teach. And I thought I didn't die, but what died was my ego. Mm -hmm. That had to die for me to be where I am now. I don't know. Does that answer your question? It does. Yeah. Um... I mean, I, I, I'm just really looking for your intuitions on it, really, because I think that's anyone, it's all anyone can give, you know. And it is interesting, um, now you sort of fully talk through your experience, seeing that it's, if there's a spectrum, yours seems to be on the very benign end of the spectrum in terms of the um, consent the mm -hmm. beings get from you, right? Whereas mm -hmm. all the people... Uh, like I think Cherry Wilde, which is mentioned, we both just recently read her book, uh, are kind of dragged onto the sources, kicking and screaming, and then later come round to seeing, like, okay, yeah. this is a positive experience, but yeah. um, the, the aliens do treat you kind of rough to get you there, you know, which is kind yeah. of contrasting to most near-death experience. Near-death experience tends to be either like all love and light, or in a very small percentage of cases, absolute hell, you mm -hmm. know. And but indeed, people who have the hellish experiences often have as positive a spiritual outcome with that as the um 
as the London Light ones. Um, just another question, just on the common themes, a very common theme is the, the idea of like a big change coming to the earth, the message is being parted about global transformation, maybe a shift in the population, and a kind of much wider spiritual awakening. Did the beings impart that kind of message to you? Oh, yes. Well, um, I get a lot in dreams, not so much um, conversation, but visuals. Uh, shortly after my near death, uh, I had a dream, the most beautiful dream I've ever had. My husband and I were standing at the edge of the very dark forest and very dense pine trees and there was a, a really bright light coming through and that's what caught our attention because it was getting brighter and coming closer. I turned around and behind us was every human being on the planet. That's the way they present things. But we were all looking at this light. And as it was coming closer, it was destroying the beautiful pine trees. And I, I got upset and I said, oh, you're destroying the trees. And I was told, we're not destroying the trees. We're destroying the illusion you have of the trees. Then it was there, a bright white round light. And in that light, people saw Jesus, uh, Muhammad, Buddha, a man sitting on the throne, God, Mary, angels, or nothing, just a white light. But they saw whatever comforted them. And then there was a voice. Everybody heard. There's more. And that's what I kept begging for. And finally got was, there's more. There has to be more. And I thought, what a beautiful way to present themselves to humanity. Don't scare them. In Sherry's case, she was so terrified, and I think that plays a big part in your experience. So once she got past fear, that's where they really started having a uh, relationship, she and her beings. Um, and so there's more. That's why I, I, I titled my book that's going to be coming out uh, not soon. I'm still working on it. Believe. And then in tiny letters, I mean, like whispering, there's more. And so that gives people the choice. Um, I know this is my last lifetime on this planet, after having many. I know this is it for me. I'm going to go to a higher realm where you can't think of material things. They get in the way. It's just pure energy. Um, and right now, that's all I know. I know where I'm going. I know I will be doing to others what uh, has been done to me. As far as the earth, I think nature is going to take care of it. Uh, She's got her own vibrations, energy, and she'll take so much and then fight back. Uh, and we're, we're contributing to that. But I think things are at the tipping point where we're witnessing so much not nice things going on that we have no control of. But there are more people seeing that. And we're combining our energies to fight that and say, no, no, we're better than this. We're better than having this happen to us, having things dictated in a way that's not good. So that's kind of the direction I see. The more we see the negative impacts on the world by leaders, countries, that want to destroy the earth and us, more people are, are distancing themselves from that because it's creating, it's creating something in them they probably never felt before this, this intense negativity and they don't want it. So I see us going away from, more and more people going away from that. 
and eventually all come together and create the world we want it to be. That's where I have hope. Hope for humanity. To really get to that point. Okay, thank you. The final sort of thing I'd like to ask about, and I don't mean it's the final thing you have to talk about, but um, I'd, I'd like to talk about the sort of post-2014 and the kind of psycho-spiritual integration of that and what that's been like to go to, like have this intense spiritual transformative experience and then come back to life on planet Earth, what that, what that integration um, has been like. I have to fight it every day. I have to keep a very, very good balance. If I go too far in one direction, like when I was talking to you and I was choking up and tearing, mm. it's so hard for me to look around and see what I have to do, make dinner, go shopping. But then when I get too wrapped up in my computer, I play games on my phone for distraction then I lose that and it's hard to get that back. It's, so I have to keep a balance. Now Janet's still happening in the physical, I still have children. Sorry, can you just, yes, I she, just lost that last sentence after you talked oh, about it. Um, Janet, yeah. yeah, she's still helping me with that because there are times when I have to say, Janet, I taught you I'm too far over here. How do I get back? How do I? solve problems. I, like I said to you earlier, I have challenges every day. And yesterday's typical day, I was screaming at them, my teachers. Why do you keep doing this to me? I thought it would be easier, but no, no. So that what brings me to face, this is a challenge in this world. You can overcome this. And, uh, so, you know, it's like a seesaw. And it's, um, you want so much of that, but you can't because you have to be here. But I'm getting better. <laughs> okay, I think that's that's all I had on my mind to ask. I feel cool on the basis. Is there anything more you would like to say? I don't want anyone to give up. Never give up. You can have the most beautiful experience. So never give up. Have hope. And listen to Richard's uh, podcast, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Marcy, thank you very much. Thanks for listening, everyone. Marcy's book, Believe There's More, will be out next year. And I will certainly give it a mention on the podcast when that happens.